This is a production of the Z Talk Radio Network. The views expressed and opinions given by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Z Talk Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. Wow. It's dark. Well, let's have some light on the subject. Put on your critical thinking caps and please refrain from hugging. It's time for Dimland Radio with your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Hello and welcome to Dimland Radio here on the Talk Radio Network at ctalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Remember, I'm not really a doctor. I just play doctor online, and boy, it sure seems like it's been a long time since I said that uh, on an actual recording. Of course, at work, I often rehearse the show, and I, I'll start off by doing that whole spiel at the beginning there, and then I'll kind of go into the things I'm going to talk about uh, on the coming up show, just kind of work it out, see what I'm going to say, how I'm going to say it, that kind of stuff. And, uh, well, there's a that's part of the reason why I haven't done a show in a couple of weeks. Uh, two weeks ago, is that right? Yeah, two weekends ago? Yeah, that's right. Um, I was sick. And uh, it, like the Wednesday night prior to that weekend, I felt it coming on. It starts in the nose, feels something's wrong, something's not right. You know, the nose starts getting that feeling. I don't know if it works that way with you guys when you get a cold, but then it. You know, it started to spread the aches and pains of the rest of the body and fevers and things that you'll get. Coughing and sneezing and all this other, you know, the stuff. Your body trying to expel the virus or bacteria, well, virus. If it's a cold, it's a virus, right? Trying to expel that from your your system. And, you know, that's what you, that's what you do. So I started feeling pretty bad. And I pushed through work. I, I kept working because just because, you know, I don't want to take a sick day. <laughs> I'd rather be healthy on a day I take off, which I don't do that anyway. But um, I figured, well, there's no way I'm going to do a program. I'm not going to do Dimland Radio. There's no way. I'm going to be coughing through the whole thing. It's going to be gross. And so then I decided, nope, not going to do one. I'll uh, I'll put a bonus show up that week, and it'll be the first part of my two-part interview with George Robb, which I did something like six years ago, early on in my you know Dimland Radio days. And uh, and so that was cool, and I hope you guys liked it. Those of you listening on the iTunes, I hope that you found that interesting. And then I put the second part up, and last week I, I was I was preparing on Friday. At work, I was going through the notes. What am I going to talk about? What am I going to do? And again, I was doing all this coughing. I was pretty much over whatever I had. Might have been the flu. I'm not sure. But whatever it was, it hit me pretty bad. And yes, I had the vaccine. So the vaccine I had either didn't cover the strain of flu that I got, if in fact it was the flu, or... It, you know, I got it early in the season and maybe it didn't, you know, the effectiveness wore off a little bit and I, and I caught it. Um, if it was the flu, and uh, which it might have been, and it was that the effectiveness began to wear off on the vaccine, I think that might be possible because Amy and Hayden didn't get it. That's my wife and my son, uh, respectively. <laughs> they didn't get sick. And they had their shots uh, like a month or two after I got mine. So, anyway, I don't know. I'm not a doctor. I just play doctor online. So, whatever I had. But by the time that show would have I would have done last weekend came around, I was still a phlegm and mucus factory. And <laughs> that's pretty gross. And it, there was no way... Uh, I was going to be able to get through a show without coughing and hacking and sniffling and all that. I still have a little bit of that going, so bear with me if I have to clear my throat. I'll try to keep the sniffling down to a minimum, and okay, so hopefully I won't gross you out, but that's just how things go. Uh, a couple few things 
happened since I did the last regular installment of Dimland Radio. Um, uh, my family had, well, there was a death in the family, uh, or I should say there was death in the family, and you'll understand why in a moment. My mother's last surviving brother, and my mom's from a big family. She's the oldest of, I think, 12 kids. Yep. She had five brothers, and she, uh, her last surviving brother was Uncle Roger. And uh, some months ago, he was diagnosed with a, well, he was, a tumor was found somewhere in his neck. I don't know if, it's, if it can be considered throat cancer or what kind of cancer it was, but it was cancerous. And it had uh, migrated its way into his sinuses and into his brain, and it went stage four rather quickly. And he was put on at-home hospice the last few weeks or a few weeks ago. And, uh, and that's, you know, oh boy, oh boy. Because uh, now you're, you're expecting any day now it's going to happen. They said it's a matter of days or weeks. And the last week that uh, my show went on, on that Saturday night at 11 p.m. Central on ztalkradio.com, if you want to come into the chat room on Saturday nights at 11 p.m. Central, I'll be there if I have a new show playing. And we can chat if you want. That's kind of cool. Otherwise, you can just wait till the thing comes out on iTunes and do whatever. Talk to yourself. <laughs> well, uh, I was in the chat room. My younger brother was was there. His name is Steve. And I, uh, one or two other people were in the chat room. And um, at about 11.30, halfway through the show, the phone rings here at the house. And I see it's my brother calling. Apparently, he had put a message in the chat room, which I missed, saying, call me. Uh, but I didn't call him right away, so he called me, and uh, I answered the phone, and he said, uh, Aunt Deb died. Aunt Deb? Who's Aunt Deb? Aunt Deb is Uncle Roger's wife. Uncle Roger, the one at on hospice. His wife died. Well, that wasn't completely unexpected, although our attention was turned toward Uncle Roger because he was on hospice, he was in stage four cancer, you know. But the reason why it wasn't completely unexpected with Aunt Deb was that she had pretty severe uh, COPD, uh, lung disease. She had she had always been a very petite woman, but uh, the last couple of times I saw her, she was just a, a wisp of her former self. She was just tiny and emaciated and breathing oxygen at all times, and just, she was in bad shape. So, even though it was a bit of a surprise, because we were expecting Uncle Roger at any moment, it's Aunt Deb. So Steve tells me that uh, whoever was at the house, uh, I don't remember which family member it was, one of their kids, or if it was uh, Aunt Deb's sister, my Aunt Chris, um, if, it, if she was there, I, I don't remember. But uh, however it was, I'm sure Steve will correct in the chat room if he's there. However it was, or whoever it was, uh, they decided not to, to wake up Uncle Roger, let him sleep, tell him the next day. It's not going to, you know, he needs his sleep, you know. So um, next day came, Sunday, and later in the afternoon, phone rings, maybe in the evening. Phone rings, it's my younger brother, answer the phone. Uncle Roger died. So Saturday was Aunt Deb. Sunday was Uncle Roger, so two deaths in the family on the same weekend, husband and wife, within hours of each other. Um, the next weekend was the, the next Sunday was a double visitation service, uh, celebration of life, wake, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I went to that, and um, the following day, the Monday, uh, there was be the funeral, which took place out at uh, Fort Snelling, it's a military uh, cemetery here in uh, in Minnesota, in St. Paul. Um, Uncle Roger was a, vet a Vietnam veteran, so he was buried out there with uh, 
military honors and all that. I didn't make the funeral, but I did the visitation thing. So, and it's it's a bummer, and I hate to make light of it or not. I'm not trying to make light of it, but but it's just I I really didn't know my uncle Roger and Deb that well. I really didn't. Um, a couple years ago, when my uncle Dick died, another brother of my mom, uh, second to last, the penultimate brother to die. Um, he, his death affected me more because I had more contact with him. Uh, I lived at home with my folks until <laughs> much later in life than I care to admit. But, uh, you know, Uncle Dick and his wife Kathy would come over and we'd play games and visit. And he's, he was a very uh, gregarious, outgoing, good humor guy and uh, really liked him. So when he died, it was much more affecting to me. It's still sad, um, Uncle Roger and Aunt Deb, because they have family and all that. And they were... They were kind of young. I don't think Uncle Roger was much into this into his 70s. So I don't think if he he might have been 70. And I know Aunt Deb was not out of her 60s. So that's a little young, little young. But that's what you get, kids, when you smoke. They were lifetime smokers. I mean, I can't say absolutely that's why it happened, but yeah, chances are pretty good. So don't smoke, okay? Well, then the following weekend, this is after the funeral, that following Saturday, I don't know how far gone ago now, but uh, I went over, I did my Saturday work at the comic book store like I'd normally do, and afterward I did a couple uh, errands, and then I stopped by my mom and dad's, and dad was sitting on the couch not feeling very well. He was sick. He had gone to the doctor that morning, and, and the doctor said that he thinks dad had some kind of viral infection. So he sent him home and he said, get rest, drink plenty of fluids, take Tylenol when you need it. And I guess dad was, you know, he said he was doing that. I'm not sure he was doing the fluids as much as he should have. But you got to understand, you know, my dad's 81 years old. He's about, he'll turn 82 at the end of next month. Astrologers, put your charts away. These older guys, um, well, their prostates get a little bigger. And when that happens, it impedes the function of the bladder. So the bladder doesn't quite empty. So they always feel like they have to go to the bathroom. And when they do go to the bathroom, it's just kind of a piddle. It's not much. And so that's, it might not necessarily be prostate cancer. It's just that the prostate starts to enlarge. And I think that's what dad's got going on. And uh, so, you know, he'll tell me, he says, I, I get up to pee five times at night. So when he's told to drink more fluids, he's thinking, I'm already having to pee all the time. You want me to put more fluids in me? So, okay. Anyway, I tell him, you know, do what your doctor says. Take it easy. Fluids. Rest. You know, tell him all that. And I head home. Saturday night goes like it normally goes show plays after the show i'm watching something on uh on the netflix and at about one in the morning i get a phone call from my mom dad had collapsed in the bathroom uh, apparently he collapsed twice he fell as he was coming out of his bedroom going into the bathroom which is right next to each other come out of his bedroom door turn left he's in the bathroom he fell there but he got himself up and went into the bathroom and then he fell again Mom calls me. I said, Mom, call 911. I'm on my way. Got over there, and Dad was lying face down, half in the tub, half out of the tub. Uh, his, his upper half was in the tub. So his butt's hanging out, and he's on his knees on the floor, and the tub, uh, the, edge, the, the, the side of it is kind of, uh, he, his, he's resting on that, uh, on his belly. So, and his face, his forehead is pressed against the base of the tub. He managed to get a washcloth in between there to soften it a little, but he couldn't get himself up. And I couldn't get him out. Uh, I'm not the world's most physical guy. And my dad weighs about 200 pounds. He's not very tall. He's kind of stocky, but he's, he's muscly. Um, you know, he's, you know, even for an 81-year-old guy, he's still got some pretty good muscle going on. Uh, he was a construction worker all his life, so he was in pretty good shape. And I, I was able to get him off his, his face and move him back. Well, 
brought him into the hospital. Uh, you know, the emergency people did. And he was at first, uh, they thought it might be sepsis, which is a nasty kind of infection thing where the body starts to attack itself, essentially. It starts to go after its own organs and tissue and, and uh, because some, some kind of infec infection invades and it, it just freaks out the body. And uh, so they thought it might be sepsis. So they put him on some strong antibiotics. Now, I know someone who has lost a family member just recently, you know, uh, toward the end of last year, lost somebody in their family uh, due to sepsis. And so it was in my mind. I knew this. So when they said that, I thought, well, that's serious. And they said, yes, it is, but we're, we're going to attack it. Well, it turned out he didn't have sepsis. They still treated him as though he did because they figured he had pneumonia. And pneumonia can head in that direction. So they figured, let's be safe. Well, he was in the hospital that, all through that Sunday, then Monday. And then on Tuesday, Steve called me in the afternoon and said, well, they're going to keep him here for a month. A month? <laughs> Especially after Steve had told me, Steve took a couple of days off of work to stay with Dad in the hospital. And he had been telling me in the, in, in the daily reports that Dad's doing pretty well. He's getting better. They're trying to get the fevers down before they send him home. And, uh, <laughs> you know, then he reveals he was joking. He says, no, we're just waiting for the discharge papers. They're, heading, they're sending him home today, which is which great. So Dad's been still on the mend since then. It's been a couple of weeks now. And, you know, he took, he, he took his antibiotics that he was given to take at home took the full course, which you are supposed to do. When a doctor prescribes an antibiotic to, for you for some infection, and they tell you, take it until it's gone, that's what you do. Don't stop taking it because you feel better. Keep taking it until it's gone. All right. Do, follow those instructions. It helps with this uh, dealing with these super resistant uh, bacteria that are developing because of the overuse of antibiotics. So, it's somehow it, it's related. Anyway, he's still doing better. Uh, a little, he says he gets tired a little quicker, um, and he still has a bit of a cough, but he's doing better. Ironically, this is, I think it's irony. <laughs> uh, when my wife called me on that Tuesday to let me know she was heading up to pick her dad up to take him to a doctor's appointment. I had this good news to tell her that my dad is heading home from the hospital. Well, before I could tell her that, she said, well, I'm heading up to get dad to take him to the doctor, and I got a call from the assisted living place that uh, my father-in-law, at which my father-in-law lives. She got a call from them saying, uh, dad fell down and broke his crown. No, he fell, and they're sending him to the hospital. So <laughs> I said to my wife, well, now you're headed to the hospital. I was just about to tell you that my dad is heading home. Uh, she did go into the hospital, with, uh, met up with her, with her dad, and the reason they sent him in was just to make sure there was nothing broken, no internal injuries, no problems, and they, they did all the tests that they needed to do, and they sent him home that night. Uh, he was just trying to do too much at once, and his balance issues are... You know, he's got problems and my dad's balance is much better and that was something that my younger brother and I were making sure the medical staff knew that normally dad's balance is pretty good right now with him being weak and dehydrated and all that which is why he collapsed in the bathroom he was he was dehydrated um, <clears throat> and he was weak from from being sick and uh, but anyway uh, my father-in-law has issues there, but he fell down, you know. And another thing about that is my father, that was the fourth time my father-in-law had been sent to the hospital in two months. Uh, this, it was the shortest visit. He'd been in there for uh, a bit longer the other times, like for a couple of days or three days at most, I think. And, you know, so it's, you know, he's 81 as well. He turned 81 just at the end of last year, again. Astrologers, put your charts away. I'm telling you, getting older ain't no fun. Uh, what is fun 
is sitting through a break. You're listening to Dimland Radio on the Ztalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. I'm going to head to break, and I'll be back shortly. Just sit tight. Hey, this is Danny Potts from the Kentucky Ghost Chasers, and you're listening to Z Talk Radio. Do you believe in ghosts? Do you think Bigfoot is real? Do you suspect that your neighbor is really Val Tor, leader of the lizard people of Bendar 3? Well, Dr. Dim doesn't, and he'll tell you why when you tune in to Dimland Radio Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern, on Z Talk Radio Network. It's an hour of science promotion, pop culture rants, personal observation, and of course, skepticism. Dr. Dim might even have a guest or two. Join Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern, for Dimland Radio on Z Talk Radio Network network. When, oh when, will someone design an exploding head emoticon? Please, someone, anyone. You're listening to Dimland Radio on Talk Radio Network. I'm a paramedic, and it may sound silly, but a lot of people are afraid to call 911 when they're experiencing uncomfortable pressure, fullness, squeezing, or pain in the center of the chest. Instead, people risk permanent damage or death because they're afraid they might get a lecture. To learn more about heart attack warning signs, call the American Heart Association at 1-800-AHA-USA-1 or visit us on the web at AmericanHeart.org. Well, I'll be hornswoggled. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. You don't say. Oh, what, you think you went off to college or something? On ztalkradio.com. That's the most amazing thing since Grandma survived the outhouse incident. Welcome back to Dimland Radio here on the Z-Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Excuse me, I'm going to have to clear my throat. <coughs> Sorry about that. As I said, I might have a little bit of that happening. I'll try to keep it as minimized as possible. Okay, so something interesting happened this morning. Uh, this, is, this would be Friday morning, March 3rd, 2017. So I record these shows on Friday nights. Um... From about 1970 to today, that's 47 years, if I got the math correct, approximately. For 47 years, I thought I knew what the lyrics were to the Mary Tyler Moore theme. The show, the Mary Tyler Moore show, the theme to that show, which is a song called Love is All Around. It was written and recorded by uh, Sonny Curtis. Sonny Curtis just used to be a member of the um, uh, of the Crickets, uh, uh, Buddy Holly's backup band, Buddy Holly and the Crickets. And uh, he's his other song that he's best known for writing is um, the song "I Fought the Law," which I think was originally recorded by the Bob Fuller Four. Is that the name of the band? Uh, but my favorite version was done by The Clash on their first album, The Clash, from 1977. I think that's on that one. It's a great version of that song. Anyway, I thought I knew it. I thought I was I was certain. Uh, and by the and, and the part that I thought I knew was the part where it's it's the chorus, where the and this is what I thought the chorus was: Love is all around. No need to waste it. You can have this town. Why don't you take it? You're going to make it after all. Now, the original version of the song uh, from the first season had You Might Just Make It After All. But by the second season, the producers of the show had had uh, Sonny Curtis redo the song a little bit because, well, Mary Richards, uh, Mary Tyler Moore's character in the, in the series, was obviously making it. She was, actually, she was obviously doing well. 
So they changed it to you're going to make it after all instead of you might just make it after all. But that's not the part in question. The part in question is you can have this town. Why don't you take it? That was the part in question. Now, I didn't realize it was in question until this morning. Now, there's this thing, I don't know if I've told you about it, but there's this thing called the bulletin board. Now, the bulletin board is uh, um, originated in, I think, the early 90s in the St. Paul Pioneer Press newspaper. That's one of the two newspapers here in the Twin Cities. Pioneer Press is the St. Paul paper and the Star Tribune is the Minneapolis paper. There used to be more papers, but of course, you know how newspapers have been dying because of the internet. Uh, but anyway, back before the internet was killing the newspapers, the bulletin board came into existence. And what it was, it's not a letters to the editor, but it was an open forum thing for people to, who readers of the paper to call in or fax in, that's how far back it went, or uh, you know, email or snail mail messages to tell little stories or jokes or my cute kid said this or something, you know, send in some pictures, these kinds of things. And it was this, the editor for that, uh, the bulletin board is a man named Dan, I won't say his last name, but Dan, um, he came to call the bulletin board a, a community of strangers. And it, it just, it was pretty regional, uh, be Minnesota, Wisconsin, the Dakotas, Iowa, so upper Midwest. But as people, as this, this, as this feature continued through the paper, you know, through the years, people would move out of the area, so it would get a little stretched because they'd move to Florida and they'd still send messages to this to the bulletin board. Well, at some point last year, the bulletin board uh, took itself away, or was allowed itself to be uh, bought out, or whatever they do in newspapers these days when they're cutting staff uh, from the St. Paul Pioneer Press and went on to the internet. So now the community of strangers could be the entire world. If you're English speaking, because it's in English, you can contribute. Just go to it. And I will link to this so that you can see what I'm talking about here. Uh, and you can follow Bulletin, Bulletin Board. Just follow it. And I used to be a contributor to this thing. It used to be my early outlet for my pedantic moments. I would always, I would call in with uh, uh, observations of, of, of what I would considered to be bad ads on TV or on the radio and I would complain about them and I would try to be clever and and concise and all this kind of stuff and I'd make other observations and such but um, so anyway I at, at some point I stopped calling into the bulletin board I even for, kind of forgot about it because I'd moved out of my parents house and I didn't have a daily newspaper anymore so out of sight out of mind well when I found out it was going on to the internet I re-engaged with the bulletin board, and the editor Dan sends me an email after I after I sent him in a story, and he's pretty much essentially saying, "Where the hell have you been?" And so he got caught up and all that. Well, <clears throat> I sent in uh, what, if I do have time, will be a pedantic moment I'll have on the show. But if I have time, I'll do it later. I sent in a uh, uh, something that uh, got posted today. And so I was checking through, and I was reading the, the bulletin board today, and someone else posted something. I'm coming back around to the Mary Tyler Moore theme. There was a, uh, a comic strip uh, recently in the paper, uh, the Nancy comic strip of Nancy and Sluggo. Do you guys remember Nancy and Sluggo? They go back to like the 1930s or 40s or something. And or maybe, yeah, I think, yeah, 1930s, 40s, whatever. doesn't matter. Um... And it's just, it's, I guess it's this trip is just called Nancy now. And what it was was a, a, a belated tribute to Mary Tyler Moore, who just passed away recently. And um, what we see in the images are uh, Nancy in silhouette dancing across a rainbow. And in the final, it's three frames. In the final frame, there's a, you, now you get to see Nancy in full. She's not in, she's not in silhouette. And she has this uh, signature red bow in her hair. Well, she has it taken out of her hair, and she's thrown it into the into the air above her, much like you know Mary Richards does in the opening sequ montage sequence of the Mary Tyler Moore Show, when she throws her blue bonnet into the air when she's hanging out in downtown Minneapolis. Well, the text of the comic strip was the words to the chorus of the song. Love is all around, no need to waste it, 
and you know that that stuff. So somebody made an observation in the bulletin board. Uh, it was apparently this is another regular contributor to the bulletin board, someone that's been contributing for a long time, like 20 years or something like that. And let's see, I got what they wrote, and it's a little um, it's a little snarky. It's a little snarky, but it's interesting. Uh, <clears throat> the the Nancy comic uh, strip from uh, March 2, 2017, belatedly commemorated the passing of Mary Tyler Moore. Like many other such tributes, this one incorporated, incorporates misheard lyrics. As those of us who are not yet... <clears throat> I'm sorry. <clears throat> Gotta do my throat again. <clears throat> sorry about that. As those of us who were not yet hearing impaired when the show originally ran, or even when we watch reruns today, can testify, it's not, you can have a town, it's, you can never tell. The line is supposed to be, according to this person, you can never tell. Well, in the comic strip, what was written was, uh, you know, love is all around, no need to waste it, you can have a town why don't you take it? You're going to make it after all. Now, I had always thought the lyric was, you're, you can have this town. Why don't you take it? Well, this person here says, it's not. there's no town involved. It's you can never tell. Well, that got me started. You know, I'm, I'm a skeptic. You know that. And so I'm thinking, okay, for 47 years, thereabouts, I thought the line was, you can have this town. Or you could, you could have this town or you can have this town. I, th I thought it was that for all that time. And so I said, I, I, you know, this person might be right, but I got to figure this out. So I immediately started doing the Google and I went in and I started to look for the lyrics. You may not be aware of this, but there are websites out there that have lyrics to songs. And I found three of them with lyrics to the song. One of them had it as, you can never tell. The other two had variations of uh, you can you can have this town or you can have a town. They had you know they, they one one had one and one had the other. So that's that's two that are pointing to the town reference and one that's never tell. But then you got this guy saying it's never tell. Of course, I thought it was the town, but I'm going to not include me in it because I could be wrong. And I, then I decided, well, I've got to listen to the theme song and see what I can hear. Here's where the problem is. There's this thing called priming. Priming is when you're, um, when you go to listen to something and you're told what you should hear, voila, you hear that. And <clears throat> it's a big thing with ghost hunters and this EVP thing. You know what EVP is? That's electronic voice phenomena. Well, as, or as I call it, uh, evidence very poor. You know, these guys go around hunting for ghosts and they have recording devices. In the old days, it would be tape recorders, now you know, analog stuff, and now it's, it's digital recorders. And they'll go around and they'll ask questions to empty rooms in supposedly haunted houses or haunted cemeteries, and they'll just ask questions and they'll leave a space for the answer because, you know, ghosts can somehow record their voices on thing without you hearing it at the time. I don't know why they think that's why that's a thing. And then they'll sit down and put the headphones on and they'll turn it all the way up and they'll listen to that empty space, the static, and, the, and there might be some digital glitches or some glitch in the tape or some bleed over from, from not completely erased tape and they think they hear voices and then they start to think that they hear them saying certain things and then they put these EVPs up on their site or they put them on their shows on stations such as ZTalk Radio and they say, listen to this, it sounds like the person is saying bread trout. I don't know what it means, but that's what it sounds like they're saying. So when you listen to it, that's what you hear. See, they're priming you. Well, so now I'm in danger of being primed, and I'm fully aware of this. And I even mentioned it in my write-up that I sent to the bulletin board in response to all this, that, that the priming's there. So I go and I start listening to the two versions that were on the TV show. There was one for the first season and then the one for the rest of the series. So I listen to the two versions, and I'm starting to hear... You can never tell, but it's not really clear. It's just, I don't, it, it kind of sounds like it, but, it, so I'm starting to think it's you can never tell, but I wasn't quite, it's not decisive enough. It's not, you know, it's, I need, I need more. This, this needs to be more. 
So I continued to look for sources for the lyrics. Wikipedia didn't have anything, but then I found the Boston Globe, which is a respectable newspaper, and their website had an article, gave the lyrics, and they had it being, you can never tell. So now I've got, well, if you can't trust the Boston Globe, who can you trust? So now I've got, you can never tell. So I'm thinking, so that's what I'm thinking it is now. I'm thinking, I've been wrong for 47 years thinking you can have this town. Or you can have this town. So, and I, I, I've spent all that time being wrong. So now I'm, so now I'm thinking that it's, you can never tell. Or, am I, or have I been primed? Has it been primed for me to hear that? I'm still not satisfied. And I thought, well, why don't I look up Sonny Curtis on the Internet and see if he says anything about what the lyrics are? So I start looking for articles. I find a blog that, uh, you know, Sonny Curtis answers questions about the Mary Tyler Moore theme. I thought, oh, it's going to be in there. And I looked right through it. No, it's not in there. I found a link to the LA Times, but my computer at work wouldn't let me open up the page because it had an ad blocker thing and I couldn't figure out how to turn it off. So I said, well, I'm not going to be able to find it out from there. So I kept looking for stuff. And then I found on YouTube that there were um, uh, uh, Sonny Curtis. Oh, and uh, did I say that in, you know, some people mistakenly attribute the, the writer in, uh, of uh, the song to uh, uh, being Paul Williams? Have I mentioned that? It's not Paul Williams. It's Sonny Curtis. Anyway, if I mentioned that, sorry I said it again, but you know, what are you going to do? Well, <clears throat> Sonny Curtis recorded the song and released it as a single in 1970, uh, a little bit of different arrangement from the, the, the way it's done on the show. Different instrumentation, but it's the same. It's pretty much the same tempo and everything. And it's the same lyrics. And he did it again. He, he recorded it again. Another slightly different instrumentation arrangement version uh, in 1980. And I found a clip of him singing it live, even more recently, on some internet country music show. And... <clears throat> Each time I listened to that part, I'd listen to it over and over and over and over. And it sounds like it could be, you can never tell, but it also sounds like it could be town. Is it never tell or town? I can't quite, I can't quite figure it out. So this is really getting me. I'm in this rabbit hole now, trying to figure out what the hell is the lyric. And I can't find any, uh, any uh, uh, unimpeachable source for it. So it's got to be something out there. So then I thought, wait a minute, I think I noticed something. Sonny Curtis is still alive. So why don't I see if there's a way to contact him? You know, in, in the old days, you couldn't contact famous people, or you might, might have some luck if you sent letters to their studios, and so you might be able to get something to them. But, but today, it's a little easier to contact people. So... I find that he has a Facebook page. Now, it's probably not run by him, but I sent a message through the Facebook page asking this question. What is the line? And then I also found that he had a website with, a co with contact information and an email address that goes to him. At least, you know, says it does. It might go to his publicist. I don't know. Does a 79-year-old songwriter have a publicist? I don't know. But I sent the message off to him through that, that email. And then I was waiting. Am I going to get an answer? I don't know. Now, I'm contacting Dan throughout this, and I'm sending my, my updates and writing about this thing, uh, which I will, he will run that tomorrow, and I will link to it in the show notes, which you'll, so you'll be able to see it. And, like I said, follow the bulletin board. And he tells me that he already has an answer, that he, he got an answer from, from uh, Sonny Curtis's lips, uh, via the Los Angeles Times, the one article that I found that I couldn't open because of the you know the pop-up blocker and that I couldn't figure out how to get rid of. So I couldn't read the article. <laughs> I was like, dang it! And so I send him. He told me that uh, he'll have the answer tomorrow. Well, I send him an email saying, please tell me now, I want to do this for my show. Don't make me, you know, I, you'll get the scoop. I just, I just want it for my show because my show won't air until, you know, until the 4th. 
and you're going to put this out on bulletin board earlier in the day and it won't be until 11 o'clock at night so that my show comes on so what is it i got an answer but i'll tell you what that answer is when i come back from this break you're listening to dimland radio on the ztalk radio network at ztalkradio.com i'll be right back other guys the finger you're listening to z talk radio network did you see that ufo sighting that made the news what did that latest study about alternative treatments really say is this photo making the rounds real or a hoax doubtful news is a unique website featuring news about pseudoscience the paranormal anomalies and questionable claims framed with a skeptical view Come visit doubtfulnews.com every day for news about cryptozoology, conspiracies, shams, scams, and more. Follow us on Twitter at Doubtful News. Critical thinking is essential in assessing today's news. Doubtful News helps you decide, can you really believe this stuff? You're listening to Z-Talk Radio's Red-Headed Stepchild. It's Dr. Dim on Dimland Radio on the Z-Talk Radio Network. Wash your hands often to reduce the spread of germs and disease. To wash your hands properly, wet them, apply a quarter-sized amount of liquid soap, and rub them together for about the time it takes to sing the Happy Birthday song twice. Wash the front and back, in between your fingers, and under your nails. Dry them with a paper towel if possible, and then use the paper towel to turn off the faucet and open the door. If soap and water aren't available, use an alcohol-based hand sanitizer. A message from the CDC. Listen to Z Talk Radio on ZTalkRadio.com. Welcome back to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Did you enjoy that cliffhanger? Did you enjoy it? I did. I timed that out. I did. That's radio professional there. I timed it out so I could go to break. <laughs> All right. So, what is the lyric? Now, before I get to that, I was looking for other versions of the song. The uh, uh, the 80s uh, hardcore punk band from St. Paul, uh, Husker Du. You know they'll say they're from you know people will say they're from Minneapolis, but they're from St. Paul. You know, uh, two of the guys went to McAllister College, which is in St. Paul, and one of the other guys, and 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 then one other guy, and I think one of the two that was going to college both worked at Cheapo Records, which was in St. Paul. So that's how they all got to know each other. They weren't from St. Paul. They weren't from Minneapolis. Okay, the replacements were from Minneapolis. That's fine. The suburbs were from Minneapolis. That's fine. But the, the Husker Du was from St. Paul. Let us have that one. <laughs> anyway, they did a version of the song, be, which they would play at the end of each of their shows, and it was sort of a joke that they would do. It be, it's a, responding to all those people when they would they would tour and they would find out that these guys are from the Twin Cities and they say, oh, do you know Mary Tyler Moore? You know, they do that kind of thing, um, thinking that they're clever. And uh, so the guys just started playing Love is All Around at the end of their shows. And then they recorded it and they made a video for it and I went and found the video and I listened to it and in their video, their version of the song, they say, you can take this town or they say, you can take the town uh, wait a minute. You can have the town, right? You can have the town? Yeah, yeah. They say you can have the town. They don't say you can never tell. I listen to Joan Jett's version of the song, and she doesn't sing that part of the line. 
she, her backup singer singeth, at least on the live version that I saw on uh, the David Letterman clip. And I can't tell if they're saying you can never tell or you can have the town. You know, it, you know it's, I can't tell what it is. And um, I'm sorry, I keep flipping these papers around here, but I got, I got my information on here. Uh, and so they, they, I couldn't tell on that. Well, there was the LA Times article in it that uh, they interviewed Sonny Curtis, the guy who wrote and sang the song. If anybody's going to know what the lyric is, he's going to know. And in that, uh, in that bit, he says, the line is, you can have the town, why don't you take it? It's not, you can never tell. So that fellow who, or I think it was a fellow, that uh, started this all off this morning saying, huh, you know, if I had a nickel, you know, you know, all the times that it's been missaid, uh, he, he was hoping that he had kept, kept track of how many times he's... Uh, uh, he, says, he said, I wish I'd kept track of how many tributes I've seen with the misheard version. Well, pal, <laughs> you're the one with the misheard version. It's not you can never tell. It's you can have the town from Sonny Curtis himself. And as if to even cement it even more... How many times can I say even... I did get an email response from Sonny Curtis. And he said, Hi, Jim. Uh, you know, thanks for asking or thanks for your interest. Uh, here below, he says, Below are the lyrics with my compliments. And he put, you know, just uh, the, like the first verse and, and the chorus. And underlined in the chorus, You can, let's see, wait, 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 wait again. You can have the town. Why don't you take it? Underlined. And then he says, I hope that was helpful. And I emailed him back, says, very helpful, thank you. <laughs> so that's the line. The line is, you can have the town, why don't you take it? Okay, I wasn't absolutely right, because I always thought it was, you can have this town, but it's, you can have the town. And when I was going through all this this morning, there's some kind of interesting things here in that I went from being pretty close to moving over to you can never tell and why why did i move over to the you can never tell i started to hear it and why did i start to hear it well maybe because of this priming and because of the boston globe when the boston globe i put more credence in that because these guys you know it's a respected newspaper i, I they might be the 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 newspaper that broke the whole you know priests and kids abuse uh, scandal wide open. I think it was the Boston Globe. I know it was a Boston paper. Might have been the Globe. If I'm wrong, sorry. But I think, but if those two factors pushed me into that direction, well, and and the while well, Dan, the editor of the Bulletin Board, when I first sent my my first missive <laughs> in response to this revelation that the that the lyric wasn't "You can have this town," it was "You can never tell." He said he thanked me for being skeptical. You know, thanks for being a skeptic and pushing me to look into this a little closer. He said I did some you know rudimentary or cursory uh, research, and I you know he said I found a source that I trusted that had the lyric and this guy who who brought it up in the first place is, is a guy that really does check out his stuff. So I just kind of went with that. But he he started telling me I'm now even more convinced that the line is you can have the town, and not you can never tell. <laughs> So, and then he, in the in the bulletin board piece that will that will go up tomorrow, he, he says it's it might not be completely uh, in the final version that he sent me. He said he's still editing a little, um, but he said that um, when he tells you what the line is, he says uh, um, when one thinks about it, perhaps longer than one ought to, it does make more sense than you can never tell. You can have the town. Why don't you take it? So um, that was an interesting journey. It, uh, you know, it, 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 I was trying to use my skeptical skills, 
to try and track this down and figure out what it was. But even being aware of priming and being influenced by, you know, uh, uh, by authority, uh, by that kind of thing, even knowing that that, was a that that stuff is possible, I still began to move from my original position to the, the incorrect position. It's interesting how much we have to be careful <laughs> to, to make sure we know what we think we know. Um, so it was fun. It was a fun little bit, and again, I'll link to it on the show notes uh, on Monday when that goes up, and you can check it out. And again, I will say it, uh, follow the bulletin board and start sending in stories to them. You can do that. You can send in pictures you take. You can do, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, it's a good group of people out there. There's a fellow there that was contributing all these stories. He worked as a professional clown for I think the Ringling Brothers, and he was giving he was writing up stories about the experiences he had, and they're really well written and really interesting stories. So check out the bulletin board. It's really 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 cool. Uh, what else have I got? Have I got anything else um, that I need to bring up? Uh, that I need to bring to your attention? Is there anything that has to be said? Ooh, I think so. Time for another Dimland Radio pedantic moment. What did they get wrong this time, Dim? Well, let me tell you what they got wrong this time. There's been a commercial on. I didn't quite remember exactly what the company was that the commercial or the product was that they were trying to sell. I thought it was a credit card thing, uh, but it turns out it was State Farm Insurance. Renter's Insurance was the particular uh, um, ad, but they do offer a credit card in there. So I kind of, kind of had it, but kind of didn't have it. And, uh, it's, this ad's been running on TV for a while now. And this was something that, that went into the bulletin board today. I dashed it off Thursday night before I left work. And I didn't, you know, I didn't, a lot of times I try to find the ad and, and watch it and make sure I get the details right. I didn't do it at that time. I just wanted to get it sent off. And because I didn't do that, I didn't realize it was a, you know, it was a State Farm ad and all that. So my pedantry only goes so far. <laughs> I'm not, <laughs> I'm not so pedantic that I have to have every aspect of it perfectly correct. But here's the thing. Um, the, the ad uh, shows, let's see, I'm going to read from what I wrote in the bulletin board. This will kind of help. The ad shows two women standing in a living room, admiring the couch one of them had just purchased. Oh, this piece is so you, says the friend. I know, right? I saw it and I was just like, oh, I have to have it, responds the proud owner of, the new, of that new couch. And when she says, I had to have it, she holds up a credit card, indicating that she, had to, you know, she paid for it with a credit card. That's probably why I was thinking it's a credit card ad. Okay, continuing with what I wrote in the bulletin board. Then the scene changes to the middle of the night. It's the same room and couch, but this time there are two scruffy-looking men holding crowbars, admiring the stylish piece of furniture. One says to the other, This piece is so you. And the other replies, I know, right? I saw it and I was like, I have to have it. However, these two fellows aren't buying the couch. They're stealing it. See what the ad does there? Same dialogue, but very different meanings. So clever. Okay, here's where my pedantry comes in. Except, home burglars aren't going to be stealing couches in the middle of the night. Can you imagine them trying to lug out a couch without waking the homeowners? They're not interested in furniture. Burglars are looking for wallets and purses filled with credit cards, checkbooks, and cash. They want jewelry. Uh, electronics, laptop computers, iPads, and cell phones. Stuff that's quick to grab and easy to sell and spend. They ain't looking for furniture. And they certainly aren't looking for items to improve the decor of where they live. They want money to maybe pay the rent or to most likely buy drugs. Or, and the other stuff that they might be looking for. 
They might be looking for, you know, medications. They go into the bathrooms and they check the, uh, they check the, the medicine cabinet and they see what you might have. Maybe you got Xanax in there. Maybe you got uh, Vicky treats or Perky treats. You know, maybe you got something, you know, some painkillers or, you know, codeine or something. Something, you know, they might. They might grab that kind of thing, uh, you know. So that's the yeah, that's the stuff that they're looking for. Quick and easy. The ad actually shows the two guys lifting up the couch and walking away with it. And you got to be kidding me! <laughs> it's. I mean, I understand. And, and you know, some the ad never really does say you get you know, you get the reimbursed for it. They do say it's renter's insurance. So I guess the implication there is that you're protected in case somebody steals something from you. But it's just, <laughs> it's those kinds of ads that I just see and I say, you know, that's, 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 that's not reflecting reality. Okay? Oh, I had other stuff to talk about. I was going to revisit the punching Nazis thing. Look, you got a minute? You think I can do this? I think I can do this. The punching Nazis thing. Now, I talked about this a couple weeks ago. I am against punching Nazis. All right. Now, I'm not against punching Nazis if you are physically threatened by them. If you are getting beaten up by them and you punch them, I'm not against that. If you feel as though you are in imminent danger of being attacked by a Nazi punching them, I'm not against that. That's self-defense. That's, that's reasonable. That's ethical and moral to, to defend yourself or somebody else who can't defend themselves. That's fine. But if you're punching them because you disagree with their ideas... And they're no threat to you. They're not being a direct threat to you. They're talking to some reporter while you're protesting the new president and you run over to the guy and sucker punch him and then run away. No, that's not ethical and it's not good. I've been hearing, there's a podcast I listen to that's produced locally uh, with some atheists on it. And, and they all thought, thought that it's fine to punch Nazis. And, they, and I listened to them try to justify it, try to come up with reasons why it's okay to do it. And I just... I, I just kept saying, no, 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 no. You don't punch somebody because they have bad ideas. And some uh, a YouTuber on Facebook posted something that, that the message was, uh, it's a mom talking to her kid saying, I don't care what Bobby's mom says, baby. You punch all the Nazis you want. And I said, no, in the comments. No, you don't. And I explained to them that it's not ethical. The First Amendment protects speech we don't like, not just speech we do like. And, and punching somebody is in violation of their, of their rights just because you don't like their ideas. Your right to swing your fist ends at someone else's nose. You don't have that right. And they just, they tried to say, well, you know, I, it's, I wouldn't, I'm not upset. And at some point it says, well, then I'm not upset when shitty things happen to shitty people. And I told them, so, well, I hope nobody ever thinks you're a shitty person. Because that's the bar you're setting. If that's, okay, schadenfreude is fine. That's, that's fine. You know, if something bad happens to somebody who I think is bad, that's the bar I'm setting. I'm okay with that. I'm not going to be upset by that. Well, I can understand that. But please don't encourage the behavior. And the other thing that occurred to me, or the things that occurred to me in that little bit there, was one of the things that uh, was protested against the war in, uh, on terror, they said, you know, violence against terrorists is just going to create more terrorists. So I brought it up in one of the threads, on the thread for that YouTuber. Well, why wouldn't violence against Nazis just create more Nazis? Why wouldn't that be a possibility? Now, there was a good argument saying that, well, the, you know, the war on terror has a lot of collateral damage. It's, you know, sending in... Uh, you know, drones to kill terrorists can kill other people that aren't terrorists, and that can be uh, what's what's causing people to, to be uh, 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 amenable to the terrorist cause and maybe want to become terrorists. But I would still argue that it's not the guys way out there on the alt-right, way out there on the fringe right. It's not them that we're going to be able to talk away from the ledge. It's the ones that might be sympathetic to them, but not completely on their side. So now, when, when somebody that's way out there on that right, when the, you know, that's considered a Nazi, and they, you know, they get violence put on them just because of their ideas, they can say to those people that are kind of sympathetic, you see what they're like? You see what they're going to be treating you like? You see th and that might push them into that camp instead of taking them away, instead of explaining to them or ridiculing them or, you know, just, or more speech. Violence doesn't help. So that's, that was my point there. And then I thought of the movie 12 Angry Men. You thought of this movie? Have you ever seen this movie? 12 Angry Men. 
was uh, the, the original one, 1957. It was directed by Sidney Lumet. I think it was his first feature film. He did TV stuff before then, but I think this was his first feature film. It stars Henry Fonda and a bunch of character actors that you'd recognize from the old days. Lee J. Cobb, Jack Klugman, um, E.G. E. Marshall, um, Ed Begley, and a bunch of other guys. Eleven other guys. Anyway, there's, you know, there's 12 guys. And the they are to decide, they're in the jury room, and they are to decide whether or not uh, an 18-year-old man is guilty of killing his father. And if they find him guilty, it's the death penalty. It's mandatory. It's going to be the death penalty. So those are the odds. And 11 of the guys all say guilty. One says not guilty, and that's Henry Fonda. And that the, the movie is him discussing the case and starting to bring up stuff and starting to raise reasonable doubt in the minds of these other 11 guys. And so they start changing their minds. Now, Ed Begley plays a guy who you get this feeling through the movie that this guy's got some racist tendencies here. He says a few things that are kind of, you know, and maybe not just kind of, but just that, that, that giving that indication that this dude's a racist. And because and, the, the kid that's going to be, uh, that's, that's, they're, they're deciding this kid's fate, he, I think he's Hispanic. Um, they show him, you know, he just looks like a puppy dog, big eyes and looking sad and all that. But I, I believe he's Hispanic. And um, so it, it, these little things said by Begley's character give you the idea that, okay, this guy's, this guy's got some issues with, with Hispanic people. And with brown people and <clears throat> at one point they take another vote and one of the other guys turns to not not guilty and it's just adding to Henry Fonda's side now and this upsets Begley it sets him off he gets up from the table and he goes on a racist diatribe he just says you know these people you know it doesn't take much for them to want to kill each other and they like to get drunk and they do you know they they're not trustworthy the stuff that he said he's just spewing this stuff out he even says they're all they're not all bad i know some that are good i'm the first to say that but i'm telling you they're just you know and he's just going on and on and the reaction of the men around the table virtually all of them stand up walk away from the table and turn their backs to him there's one or two guys that stay at the table and just kind of turn away, and there's one person that's sitting directly in front of him, as Begley is standing at the table. This E.G. Marshall is sitting there. And I think he's just kind of looking at this guy while he's going through this. And Begley starts running out of steam. He's realizing these guys aren't listening to him. He thinks he's right, but he's, he, the reaction has got him confused, and he's starting to lose the thread. And he looks at, at, at E.G. Marshall and says, Listen, listen. Listen to me. And E.G. Marshall says um, something to the effect. He says, we have listened to you. Now sit down and shut up. And, and he's, suddenly his world is, is, is been, has been beaten by the reaction of these men. Did any of them get up and punch him? No. Would it, would, I, I have a feeling that those podcasters and the guy on YouTube might have thought the scene would have been better if somebody just went up and punched him, or if every guy lined up and punched him. Yeah, that'd be better. That'd really teach him. As it was, it got the man to realize that not everybody thinks the way I do. And, and maybe he knew that at some level. But here, he's, he's seeing it. You know, he thinks he has it, has it right. And these guys don't want to hear it. And they make him know that he does. They don't yell at him. They don't. They don't try to shout him. Shout him down. They don't. You know. They don't do anything physical to him. They just turn their backs on him. We don't want to hear it. That's a much more effective way of doing things than just running up and sucker punching him and then running away. Good night, doctor. Good night. No, I had other stuff to get to, but I'm not going to. You know, that's what happens when you don't do a show for a couple of weeks. But I hope you enjoyed tonight. Sorry about all that stuff at the top about people dying and all that kind of things, but things happen. Uh, you've been listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at uh, ztalkradio.com. Uh, remember, extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence, and to be skeptical, I've got all things kind of goofy, but what do you expect? I haven't done this in a long time. But uh, I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dimfit Simmons, reminding you to sleep with the lights off.
can check out my show notes at dimland.com. Just click on the blog option, and you can email your questions and comments to drdim at dimland.com. That's D-R-D-I-M at dimland.com. And the opening theme song, Ram, is by Theolius and is used with permission. Production of the Z Talk Radio Network. And now a message to our competitors. Thanks, thanks for, for tuning, tuning us in. in. What did you think of tonight's installment of Dimland Radio? My life, you're clever, Dim. It's certainly taken me in. Well, well I'm going I'm to hell. hell.